Well, friends, good evening again and a warm welcome to McLean Presbyterian. My name is James Forsyth. I'm the senior pastor here. And what a privilege it is to welcome all of you here in our sanctuary, all of those who are joining in our fellowship hall and also worshiping with us online. It's a a great joy to be able to celebrate Christmas together this evening. We're going to spend a few moments looking at the scripture reading that was just read for us from Luke chapter 2. And before we do that, let's bow our heads together and pray. Father, your word tells us that you did not send your son into the world in order to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The message of Christmas, Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save. He didn't come to reprimand, to say, I told you so. He came to offer forgiveness and life. So, Lord, we ask that you would be with us in this time, that we might confront the reality of our need and the greater reality of your immeasurable grace. This we pray in the perfect name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 2 contains breaking news. You're familiar with breaking news. We, we interrupt this broadcast to bring you an important announcement, information that's deemed so important that TV and radio stations will see fit to, to interrupt what we're currently watching in order to bring us this, this most important information, information that we need to know, information we need to act upon, maybe information that might save our lives. Never forget a, a memorable uh, news flash, memorable breaking news for me came back in 2005 when I was watching Clemson play Texas A&M in the opener of the college football season. Now, you need to understand that I am watching with a rabid Clemson fan, okay? Just completely sold out, completely all in, completely unreasonable in their devotion to Clemson. It's a very tight game. Uh, It's just going down to those last couple of minutes. And right in this moment of tension, in this moment of drama, ABC decided it was a good time to interrupt our broadcast. They interrupted and told us the news that Judge William Rehnquist had, had just died. Well, my friend did not think this was worthy of a newsflash. Um, If you needed treatment, maybe, he said, but he has already died. Why are we interrupting this broadcast? This this information, this information can wait. (laughs) Often, though, when we get breaking news, perhaps maybe the last one uh, I saw was actually to do with severe weather. Maybe you've seen one similarly on the news yourselves recently. Uh, Newsflash, breaking news, information we need to know, information we need to act upon, information that might even save our lives. Well, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, contains one such newsflash, such breaking news. We could call it the ultimate breaking news. It comes, if you look down with me, to humble shepherds. In the same region we read, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, when we think of shepherds, what what typically comes to mind? For for us, typically quite a wholesome rural pastoral scene comes to mind. We think of fluffy sheep, we think of men with fluffy beards, we think of rolling hills and butterflies and the sound of music and kind of all things nice and and all things beautiful. Well, it's important for us to understand that in Jesus' day when this chapter was written, the shepherds were actually a, a fairly disreputable group. 
disreputable. Why? Well, three quick reasons. First of all, the shepherds were considered a very uneducated group. They were seen to do um, necessary but unimpressive work. And so the elites, the establishment, looked down on the shepherds with a kind of superior disdain. Friends in D.C., we would not have been impressed with their resumes. But not only were they uneducated, they were also deemed untrustworthy. They had a reputation, some of them, for being thieves. They also were seen to have had this uh, reputation, this caricature that, that shepherds were associated with, with being, being liars, being liars and thieves. In fact, so untrustworthy were the shepherds that in Jesus' day, their testimony wasn't even allowed in court. Even if they'd been eyewitnesses to a crime, their testimony wasn't admissible. Can you imagine an entire profession just you know, assumed to be liars. Just insert lawyer joke here, right? <laughs> <laughs> the irony being they're in court all the time. <laughs> um, so that, that's the shepherds. They're seen as uneducated. They're seen as untrustworthy. And importantly, especially for our context tonight, they're also seen, thirdly, as, as unclean. Now, I don't so much mean physically, although you work with sheep all day, you know, see how good you smile by the, by the end of the day. But we more mean spiritually. The shepherds were seen to be morally, um, religiously unclean. Why? Because their jobs prevented them from fulfilling all the religious regulations of the Old Testament. So they didn't go to temple, and they didn't offer sacrifices, and they didn't perform the ritual cleansing. It's a group of people who never went to church, never showed up at small group, and never volunteered any of their time to serve. And so they're seen as, just they're looked down upon. They're uneducated. They're untrustworthy. They're unclean. And it's to them an ignorant, irresponsible, irreligious group of men that the breaking news of the gospel comes. It comes, we see, not through a news anchor, but through an angel. An angel who brings light, literally and then theologically. First of all, look at verse 9, where the angel brings light. Literally, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Into the darkness of this night, light suddenly erupts. An angel appears with dramatic swiftness, and the glory of God shines around them. We can imagine the shepherd's eyes struggling to adjust to this luminous light. No doubt their, their hearts and minds struggling to adjust and to understand what it was that was, was actually happening to them. And then, having brought literal light, the angel brings theological light. Verses 10 and 11. Breaking news. Are you ready? Here it is. Fear not. Why? For behold, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the breaking news of the gospel, first of all, it contains, it contains a preface. Not we interrupt this broadcast, but first, fear not. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Now, this is an important thing. If, if you're a shepherd in the middle of the field at night, and an angel suddenly appears, it, it, of course they were afraid. And so isn't it kind that the angel begins his remarks by saying, hey, 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 fear not. I'm not here to do you harm. I'm not here to do you 
ill, God begins his communication to the shepherds by meeting them where they are, and he does the same for us this evening. Fear not, he says. Why? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. <laughs> Literally, we could translate this, um, I bring you gospel of mega delight. I bring you gospel of mega delight that's going to be for who? For all the people. So not just for the powerful people, not just for the popular people, not just for the pious people, but for the uneducated, untrustworthy, unclean of the world, even for people like the shepherds, even for people like me and you. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, the gospel of Christmas is for everyone. Well, after this preface, we get the breaking news itself. You see it there in verse 11? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What is the breaking news? What is the good news? That born this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's given three names here. First of all, Jesus is called the Savior. He is the Savior. He is the one who is going to save his people from their sins. Secondly, he's called not just Savior, but, but Christ. Now, we understand that Christ isn't, it's not, it's not Jesus' last name, you know, like Jesus Christ, James Forsyth, Jesus Christ, right? It's not his last name, it, it, it's his title. It's a messianic title, a title that refers to the fact that he is the one that the people have been waiting for. All throughout human history, God had promised his people that he would send the Messiah, one who would be their Savior, save them from their sins. And now this Messiah, this Christ, has come. He is the one that we've been waiting for. And he's not just Savior, he's not just Christ, he's also called Lord. No ordinary child, no ordinary babe. This Savior is God himself. And so the shepherds are introduced to a very different kind of lamb. <laughs> the lamb who's going to take away the sin of the world. One of the most striking news stories of the year came from a cave in, in Thailand. You remember back in June when we heard the news that uh, 12 members of the Wild Boars soccer team, uh, some of them as young as 11, had finished up soccer practice and then gone with their coach on a field trip. A field trip to do what? To celebrate the birthday of one of their team members. And for this field trip, uh, they went to, to a cave network to, to explore. What a great thing for a group of wee boys to go, to go and do together. Well, off they went exploring, uh, having, having good time, no doubts, until, remember, disaster struck. The rains came down, the floods came up, and these wee boys got stuck in that cave network in a pocket of air, but unable to make their way back to the surface. You know, it took nine days, nine days for, them, for, for anyone to, to make contact with them. And can we just imagine uh, nine days in a cold, dark cave? Think how long nine days is. I said to the kids during the family service, imagine we said that you couldn't open your presents tomorrow, but you had to wait nine more days. Yeah. I think one of them started to cry. <laughs> Um, nine days before anyone, anyone made contact with them. During this time, all they had to survive on were the snacks that they'd bought from the, for the birthday party, um, water that was dripping from the, cave, from the cave wall, 
they, they huddle together trying to stay warm. But then after about 200 hours of isolation, they heard a noise in the darkness. Listen to how one of the wee boys, a 14-year-old boy called Sam On, described it. He said, we were sitting on the floor and coach told us to quiet down and told us to stop speaking. It was actually real. There was someone there. I was really excited. I was shocked. And coach told me to go down first. I was scared to go down myself. When I went down there, I immediately said, hello, is anyone there? Well, the first rescuers were actually a pair of, of British divers, and they called back to this wee boy, and then the wee boy continues, I didn't know what to say. All I was able to say was, hello. So all we said was, hello to each other. <laughs> that great scene. <laughs> it was very magical. I was very surprised. I was very shocked. They asked, how many of you? I responded that we had 13 people, and they said, in the most British of ways, Brilliant! <laughs> which the wee boy then interprets for us, which means they were really happy that all the team was there. <laughs> but even then, do you remember how jubilation that the boys had been found quickly gave way to the realization that it was going to be incredibly hard to get them out of there? Um, they'd been found, and so they were sent food, they were sent water, they were sent blankets, they were sent flashlights, they were even sent uh, messages from, from their parents, but they were still in the cave, and they were still trapped, and they were still in mortal danger. And so the Thai government and the Thai people just kicked into overdrive. They assembled a group of over 10,000 people, including some uh, 100 plus governmental agencies, 10,000 police officers, 2,000 soldiers, 900 police officers, 100 plus divers. They used 10 helicopters, 7 ambulances, millions of dollars of diving equipment. They pumped over a billion liters of water out of the cave. They spared no expense. One Thai diver even gave his life. Remember this? He drowned. He drowned while replacing oxygen canisters that were going to be so necessary for their rescue. But then, on July 10th, this costly effort all became worth it. As all, seven, oh, sorry, as all 12 of the boys and their coach made it to the surface after 17 days in the cave. The rescue, how they did it in the end was fascinating because uh, they took each boy and literally tied them to one of the divers. Uh, this was the, the way to get them out. Many of the wee boys couldn't swim, and so the way to get them out was to literally tie them to a diver who would lead them, indeed carry them, to rescue. And 17 days after they first went in that cave, uh, they all made it to the surface. They celebrated, their parents celebrated, their siblings celebrated, and all of us, the watching world, celebrated with them. And so we have a picture of the message of Christmas. See, the Bible would tell us um, that we have to confront some bad news. The Bible would tell us that each of us is, is trapped, uh, not in a cave, but by sin. Now, sin is one of those words that's often unpopular in, in our society, and I think, unfortunately so, because it actually describes something we all agree on, which is that nobody's perfect. 
The Bible uses the word sin to describe uh, those things we do that we ought not to do and the things that we leave undone that that we really should have done. You know, it's it's ironic that we don't like the word sin, but we also don't like anybody who thinks they're perfect. (laughs) Why? Because we know that no one is, certainly least of all ourselves. And the Bible says that this sin has has trapped us again, not not in a cave, but, but, but it's separated us from God. That as, as sin damages any human relationship, again, a thing that we understand. If we fight or are unkind or, or yell or otherwise have conflict with a friend, a spouse, a roommate, we understand how that does damage to that human relationship. Well, in the same way, sin has damaged our relationship with God. It has separated us from Him. And to be separated from Him is to be separated from the source of life, which is as serious as it gets, actually worse than being in that cave. A truth that takes the Spirit's work to really internalize and believe. That outside of Christ, we're in as great, greater peril than those boys there. Uh, worse still, um, worse, yeah, worse. Worse still, the Bible says we can't do anything about it. The Bible says that like those wee boys, we're unable to rescue ourselves. Now, we might say, hey, I'm a good person. We'd say, yeah, you're a good person that's stuck in a cave. You might say, hey, I'm not as bad as other people. And you say, yeah, you're better than some of the people in this cave. You might say, hey, my moral resume is pretty good. And I'll say, yeah, it is pretty good, but you're still in a cave. And you know what? Being the most impressive person in the cave ain't all that great. The best among us to the worst among us all stand on level ground. (laughs) the level ground of being in that spiritual cave. And so we've got to confront that bad news in order to hear the good news, which is at Christmas, there's a noise in the darkness. There's a noise in the darkness. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We can't make our way to God, so God has made his way to us. And he didn't enlist, you know, ambulances and helicopters. He came to us himself. And he spared no expense, even giving his own life on the cross. The punishment our sin deserves, paid for in full. Good news for everyone that we can all be saved. And all we need to do to be saved is be tied to him. How are you tied to Christ? Well, the Bible says you're united to Christ by grace through faith. It means believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He will carry you to the surface. He will carry you to the surface. He will forgive you full and free and he will lead you home. We can't make our way to God, but he has made his way to us. And not only that, he has made it possible for us to go back to glory with him. I'm sure you've noticed, um, I've certainly noticed that, um, you know, uh, cable, cable TV labels all news breaking, you know? It doesn't even matter what it is. Breaking news! Everything's exactly the same as a minute ago, right? Um, it's overhyped. It's overblown. <laughs> Not so the breaking news of the gospel. This gospel could never be overhyped. It could never be overblown. Sometimes there is news we need to know, news uh, that we need to act upon, news that might even save our lives. And tonight, friends, tonight, hear me say, Jesus is interrupting the broadcast of your life 
to bring you good news. That unto you has been born in the city of David a Savior who will take away all your sins, who's Christ, the one that we've been waiting for, who's Lord, God himself. What else is there for us to say? Not much, apart from to join with the angels in verse 14. (laughs) Glory be to God in the highest. Yeah. For those who know they're trapped by sin, glory to be to be to God in the highest. Um, for those who have heard that, that noise break in, glory to God in the highest. For those who can see that Christ spared no expense, then glory to God in the highest. To those who have uh, been tied to Christ through faith, glory to God in the highest. To those who will hear this news flash, we say glory to God in the highest. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, breaking news that we need to hear, that we need to act upon, not just to save our lives, but even to save our very souls, that the Savior of the world has come. Lord, we want to heed this message this evening. We want to be a people who respond to this good news. You've given grace that we might have faith, and so we believe. We believe that we stand in need before you, and we believe that you offer forgiveness. And so we not only believe it, but we receive it in Jesus' perfect name. And so, we don't have much else to say, but glory to God in the highest. In the name of our Savior, Christ, and Lord, Jesus Christ, amen.